Having trouble running away from your assailants? Do your punches lack any force? Did your mother just turn into a snail-slash-lorax hybrid in front of your face and you assumed that that was normal? Well, that's because you're in a dream. That's right. You're in a dream. This is not a commercial. You are actually in a dream. Wake up. Wake up. You're actually asleep right now. Wake up. Wake up! Hi, Robert England here, a.k.a. Freddy fucking Krueger. <laughs> and you're listening to Horror Movie Talk. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. An opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 go. go, go. also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Wow, that didn't sound good. Welcome, everybody. I'm Bryce Hansen, the cute one, and as with me, as with me, with me as always, is... The ugly one, Professor David Day. <laughs> I am the foremost expert in scare no-nos. If it's your first time... Joining horror movie talk. This, it's a good going to be a good time for you. Let yeah. me tell you, motherfucker. Every episode is going to be this good. Buckle up, now Buttercup. On. Why is that, Bryce? What do we have coming down the pipe on this episode where we review uh, Nightmare, on Elm, Nightmare on Elm Street? What's what's coming up? Oh, we get to interview the man himself, Robert England. Oh, who's that? Oh, it's is that? Oh, it happens to be the person that plays Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street films. You mean the most iconic slasher film maybe ever made? Yeah. And bad guy ever? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. guy. We yeah. interviewed that guy. Okay. Oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, anyways, uh, just want to briefly mention at the top our website, horrormovietalk.com. Uh, go there and check out past episodes. Uh, links to our social media and horror-themed blog posts. We post new episodes every Wednesday, so please subscribe. And if you are an Apple user, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. It sure does. You guys have been doing great at that. We appreciate every single time you lie, cheat, and steal your way into someone else's iPhone and give us a review on it. It's been working, and we love you for it. So yeah, we got a great show today. Oh uh, like God. we mentioned, we're going to be talking about the original A Nightmare on Elm Street and talking to Freddy fucking Krueger himself. I'm so amped up right now. I'm so fucking jacked. <laughs> As always, we'll start out by giving a brief review and our score for the film. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable dredge, where it makes you angry, 5 being an average film that hits all the expected marks, and 10 being so... Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, Jesus no, keep going. Christ. No, keep going. Keep it going. I'm feeling <sighs> good. I'm feeling good about this. David just took off his shirt. Yeah. I, What's up, buddy? Oh, man. What are you, Burt Kreischer? I'm going to make this All a, of a sudden. Oh, man. I just needed to... I'm just getting hot in here. Ten... <laughs> Being so good transcends genre boundaries. We are in a basement. It's not that hot. I'm hot. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the fan film. Later on, we will be 
Oh God! <laughs> Describe what's happening. He's jiggling his his stomach. Oh man, just it's mesmerizing. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, later on, we'll be interviewing Mr. Robert England about his latest project on Adult Swim, um, which has already premiered. Yeah. Not his episode. No, but we are, of course, talking about J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales, which comes on, I believe, on... I think it was 12.30 yeah, on 12, Sundays. 12.15 on Sundays, okay. I think. And then we'll uh, read some comments from social media in a segment we call It Came From Social Media. Uh, so let's get right into the review. The hits just keep on coming over here at Horror Movie Talk. We just did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We did Friday, Friday the 13th. We did... We did The Exorcist, which is in the bag. Yeah, we did The Wicker Man. Oh, man. You know what? Actually, it's it's interesting you mentioned The Wicker Man. I've been thinking about The Wicker Man. Like, some of these movies stay with me, and some of them just leave right away. You know? Yeah. And uh, The Wicker Man is in my mind every day. Every day it's in my mind. And it's and it's because it was such a left field sort of thing. Yeah. Where it was like, God damn, I hate this movie halfway through. <laughs> and then. And then <laughs> well, it had the, singing in it. And then it, uh, it was the worst. Uh, I can't stand music in movies. And uh, and then it just came through with the fucking craziest ending I can possibly imagine. Yeah. So I think now we've hit almost every slasher franchise. Almost. Um, we still got Hellraiser to, to hit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we rewatched A Nightmare on Elm Street and reminded ourselves why this franchise has such staying power. Here is the trailer. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet. But something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. Tia! There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, if something wrong with you, you're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. have eyes and last house on the left a new masterpiece in fantasy terror nightmare on elm street no wow. i was just i was just reminded of briefly the uh the bad lip reading of empire strikes back where it's yoda he goes, oh, you're talking about the youtube channel yeah, yeah the youtube yeah. channel bad uh, bad lip reading and it's yoda going don't fall asleep <laughs> don't Asleep. Oh, man, I should have gotten that. I should have gotten that sound drop. Um, anyways, A Nightmare on Elm Street 
can be bought or rented on Amazon. Hey, and if you're going to do that, click through the button in the banner of our website in Horror Movie Talk because we'll get a taste of it. Um, bought or rented at Amazon or your favorite video thingy. Um, a Nightmare on Elm Street wastes no time introducing you to one of horror's greatest villains. Tina Gray, played by Amanda Weiss, not her. She's not the Grantsville. Um, she's being chased <laughs> Tina in, Gray. <laughs> in a dream in a dream by an unknown assailant with knives for fingers. Before the fedora wearing pizza faced man can introduce himself with a milady, <laughs> Tina wakes up in cold sweats. Later we learn that this vivid nightmare is shared by her group of friends, including Nancy Thompson, played by Heather Langen Langenkamp. Yeah. Lang do you pronounce the J? The uh, G? <clears throat> yes, I believe you do. Langenkamp. Lang no, uh, Langenkamp. Glenn, played by Johnny Depp, introducing Johnny Depp. Yeah. And her boyfriend, Rod, played by Sue Garcia. Probably Sue. Sue. Yeah. Sue Garcia. Soon we learn... Soon we learn that the scary man in everyone's dream is a formerly alive child killer and pedophile... Yeah. Uh, named Freddy Krueger, played by the inimitable Robert England. Actually, he's just cast in this movie as Fred Krueger. I don't believe they actually call him Freddy once. I think they just keep really? calling him Fred in this movie. Yeah. Oh, well, he's Freddy. This slasher up the ante of the 80s slashers by unabashedly adding fantasy elements into the genre. The Freddy franchise became one of the most lucrative horror franchises of all time, and for good reason. The premise of a killer that comes to you in your dreams and can kill you in real life is truly unescapable. No zombie fortress or guns can save you from Freddy. Everyone sleeps. Yeah. It's like the perfect premise. Yeah. The film not only introduced one of horror's most iconic figures, it is, it was also the bloodiest mainstream horror movie up to that point. It's a tightly packaged and thoroughly conceived film. Most of the scenes and special effects hold up even today. Some effects admittedly fall flat and a few enter the realm of so bad they're good. Regardless, it still deserves its place as one of the genre's tentpole films and cemented the creator Wes Craven as one of horror's greatest minds. You know, you said um, most of the scenes and special effects hold up even to this day. Some effects admittedly fall flat, and a few enter the realm of so bad they're good. One of the reasons is that there's so many. They go for everything. They send it. They send it. They send it. Turn the stairs into goop. Sent. Turn the phone <laughs> into a mouth. Sent. Turn the... Like, they just keep... They just keep throwing shit at you. Yeah. And it's like so much of it lands that you forget the stuff that doesn't. Right. And it's so this movie is so intense from beginning to end that it, I mean, and admittedly, there's a little lull at about the two thirds mark. But uh, it's a it's a crazy fucking film with incredible pacing and really well conceived in terms of just keeping you upset. Like, it's re Wes Craven really, really meant to keep you upset the whole way. And Robert England, I mean, knocks it out of the fucking park in terms of just being a believable, terrifying, horrible bad guy. But the other thing about this film that really strikes me is this 
and I know I've used this word overly too much in the last few episodes, but this is like true 80s nihilism and the kids are not all right. Like <laughs> this is like Gen X, like ab- parental apathy, mm-hmm. mom and dad, the house is coming apart. Mm-hmm. Every family's split. Like mom doesn't care whether you live or die. In fact, she's kind of she's kind of working towards you dying, really, uh-huh. whether or yeah. not she realizes it. But that's the point. She doesn't she's, even realize she's it. Low-key alcoholic. Oh, high-key alcoholic. You would never see the use of drugs in like you see in this movie, in a movie even made today. You just don't see a woman reaching for a bottle of alcohol and then like jokingly like towards the end. She says, I'm done with alcohol. Just don't feel like it anymore. But it's a dream. So it's like the implication is so right. fucked up. I yeah. don't know. It's it's a really, uh, really messed up movie in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So I give it a score of 10 out of 10. I, I can't argue with this. Yeah. You know, this is this is such a strong entry into horror in general like yeah as far as a starting point for a franchise this one is yeah probably the strongest mm-hmm. i mean even child's play child's play is has child's a, play is great yeah but it's, it's great. not it does not it, it come swinging like this it's like nightmare on elm street is like just fully formed yeah out of the womb yeah. like it's like it's there it hits the ground running it has all of the elements that all of the other ones have yes yeah i i totally agree and uh and it and it's just it's it's just swinging for the fence every time yeah. and yeah they don't all land but i i, I would totally agree 10 out of 10 just just on in my mind i want to like i want to take it down a peg because i'm like ah, it's not that you know right, but, right. B- because between viewings i i get i i forget yeah and then i watch and i'm like oh yeah this yeah. thing's fucking incredible. Yeah. And Johnny Depp seems like a regular person in this, which is impressive. That must have taken incredible acting shots. <laughs> well, it was before he got, you know, his brain infected by all those scarves that he wore. Have you seen the, him on featured on the, the latest couple Your Mom's House podcasts? Yeah. Where he's started an Instagram and he's in his dark cave with a bunch of real candles and he's uh-huh. like, hello. It appears in this dark times, and it's like, Jesus Christ, you're a fucking nut job. I love that they're like... He's living in a real cave or something like that? They're making the point of, like, he's <laughs> he's not going the route of, like, the insincere celebrity trying to, like, yeah. like make this really interesting and, like, uh, pop poppy video. He's, like, literally just Johnny Depp yeah. talking ad nauseum about boring things. Oh, man, is he boring. And and he's so clearly out of just, – just so far out of touch with yeah. reality. Um, okay, so before we get into the spoiler section, just want to take a moment for mid-roll. First of all, public service announcement. Horror Movie Talk reviews new movies most of the time. Or when we can. And that means we we rely heavily on theaters. Our favorite theaters are the small, privately owned ones in our community. During this COVID-19 shutdown, all of these theaters are in serious jeopardy. Horror Movie Talk has decided to help these theaters in the only way we know how, which is to talk about it um, and to feature them on our podcast. First of all, just you know what the local independent theaters are in your community. 
please think about supporting them. Today, we'd like to help out our hometown uh, theater, Kiggins Theater in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, this Depression-era theater has had several lives, from movie theater to church to antique store, and now back as a fully restored movie theater. The Kiggins has been host to hundreds of events over the years, including film festivals, film premieres, concerts, lectures, and private parties. They are privately they are a privately owned community hub for independent and classic films. Like most of these small, unique theaters, they are struggling to survive the shutdown. Whether you're local or whether you are local or not, you can support the Kiggins by going to kigginstheater.com. That's K-I-G-G-I-N-S T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot com. And either buy uh, tickets to a virtual screening, you can actually watch the movies through their website and they get a cut of the uh, box office that way. Um, and they, I think there's one independent horror movie on there. I can't remember what it's called. It's got like... Well, you guys should ch- head over well, to the go website check it out. and check it out. Yeah. Um, or buy gift certificates to use once they reopen. Um, so yeah, do that or support your local theaters. We want to recognize our new patrons, Sarah Y and John M. Dude, thank you guys so so much, guys, yeah. for for and gals for joining up and helping support us. I uh, it's been it's been very helpful. Yeah, we've yeah we really appreciate the support. We do this for free. We probably put in like. 10 to 20 hours a week easily conservatively yeah on each episode uh between the two of us and uh it's a labor of love and we're we're getting to the point where we can actually where we're actually starting to think about and talk about ways to make the show better with with you know funds that are coming in instead of just covering our operating costs so so the the more patrons we get the more support we get from everybody the better the show gets and uh and yeah. we and every cent of that goes back into the show we're not taking anything and listen if you like the show you're going to like the perks on Patreon we have a whole separate podcast called the Afterpod where we leave the mics running uh you get to know us a little better just wait to listen to today's <laughs> one oh my god oh, good lord um fucking go off anyways go check out our Patreon patreon.com/horrormovietalk and you can check out all the different you know tiers. i think i need a little i think i need to drop a little bit of a of a, a teaser i need to give everybody just a, a little a little, a little taste i need to give everybody a little taste so get this okay you've already heard this but i'm going back <laughs> over it just 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 to kind of okay my wife's like hey you know what we, me me and the kids are going to do this thing that that I guarantee you won't want to do. You want to go do it? I'm like, no. She's like, well, it's coming up in four or five days, so let's do it. Now, my wife's a Patreon member, so we'll see how this pans out. We'll see how how, how much of a fan she really is, because I don't know <laughs> if she listens to these things. But she's like, you want to go do this thing that you definitely don't want to go do? I'm like, no, four days in advance, no. She's like, okay, it's your loss. And then day, th- th- the next day, she's like, we're still going to go do it. Are you sure you don't want to go? Yep, 100% percent sure yes definitely sure I'll, okay i'll just tease it to join that our point. patreon to, to learn the exciting oh. conclusion oh. <laughs> in the afterpod um <clears throat> uh, if you like horror movies you probably know about shutter.com the horror movie and television show streaming service if you use the code hmt at checkout you get a 30-day free trial instead of the three 
uh, seven-day free trial. A fucking seven-day free trial. I hate that thing. Uh, another way you can support the podcast is buying or renting any movie or product on Amazon if you click through the green button in the header of our website. Um, also, you, you, sh- you guys should definitely check out our resident artist, Dustin Goebel, because yeah. he is th- like he, he first of all, I think I don't know that his nine to five exists anymore. I think he's existing on on commissions, I, commissions yeah. and stuff right now. So if there's n- there's never been a better time to support Dustin over on Instagram, check his stuff out. At D Gobel zero zero. That's at D G O E B E L zero zero on Instagram. Yeah, he, look at his work. I mean, you there will probably be something that you would be like, man, I wish I could buy that and hang that in my office or something. And he will sell it to you. Yeah, and um, oh my God. and also he takes commissions. He does like these great illustrations. Um, he's working on a rework for our, for our brand logo. Yeah. We've got a, right now. we've got stuff in the works right now for horror movie. So cool. You guys are, you guys are in for a treat. Yeah. Please check him out. Also at max Allen, one, two, three, five at max underscore Allen, one, two, three, five. Um, he made the awesome new intro music for the podcast. And at the end of the episode, we're going <coughs> to play another little soundbite that he was inspired to make from the last episode. Um, that's it for Midroll. Thanks again for listening, and let's get into spoilers. Spoilers! <laughs> I thought that might go well. <laughs> um, I mean, lots to talk about this movie. Um, I don't even think I got all the bullet points that you definitely didn't. It looks like you fell asleep or something. Um, these are all the ones that I actually wrote while I was watching it. So, um, so it opens like directly with Freddie forging the knife glove. Yeah. So it really sets the tone and it starts out in a dream, which is a great, great way to start it. And it's kind of a subtle dream. You know, you only know it's a dream because there's random sheep like right. sitting around. Okay, this is something I was just, I was like, how do I segue into the sheep? What the fuck was the sheep? Oh, it's because it's a dream and you count sheep in a dream, maybe? Yeah. I mean, it's just like a non sequitur animal appearing in the middle of a hallway. It's like, oh, I get it. She's in a dream. I gotta say, uh, okay, like the the just bar none, the one thing that doesn't work for me about generally Nightmare on Elm Street movies, this industrial furnace room yeah, setting. Everything is in like the boiler room of the Titanic. It just doesn't work for me. I don't like that. I don't like specifically. I don't like that. I, it's just feels, I've, I guess I've just watched too many mystery science theater 3000s hmm. where, you know, big McLarge, where they're just running through giant industrial uh-huh. complexes yeah. that are meant to look um, futuristic because there's pipes everywhere, but it just ends up falling flat and being kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's like used for easy ambiance. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like, and it makes sense for this first movie. And, but the problem is they base his backstory entirely on the boiler room right yeah. it's yeah. like well you know and so so then you have to carry it over into all the other ones and i just don't like that 
Yeah, I mean, it, there's a function of it. When you get to the boiler room, you know shit's about to get real. Yeah. And the labyrinthian nature of it is kind of part of a nightmare of like, you know, when you have like a recurring yes. dream, you end up in like that weird environment where, yeah, it's like you're lost because you don't know where stuff is going. So that's kind of what how that boiler room operates it just doesn't in these films it just doesn't pull it off as well as i would hope you yeah. know there's a certain there's a certain way that you can make an audience confused and it's not with i feel like in in later films if i remember right i mean it's been so long since i've watched them but i feel like some of them it gets like like uh, like epic in scale <laughs> like they're it feels like um they're in the middle of a Death Star or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To where it's like taking it to the extreme. Anyways, yeah. So, I mean, it opens with that and um, nothing really happens other than she wakes up and is scared. And uh, you don't find out that there's any danger until a lot later in the movie. But it's it's already like disturbing. It's like, man, what was that all about? Yeah. Yeah. And and it, do- it doesn't start with our with our main protagonist. Right. Uh, Heather Langenkamp. It starts with, um, what's her name? Well, the character's name is Tina. Tina. Yes. It starts with Tina. And, uh, yeah, the casting in this is, is yeah. The, don't great. sleep on Heather Langenkamp. She, she does a lot to carry this movie. Like, she, she sure does. And w- Carrie and I were talking last night while we were watching it. And I was like, she, she reminds me of Denise Richards. Yeah. Like her look is just, just one sliver away from denise richard richards yeah. just a little and younger. she's already a better actress she was probably in her teens still. how <laughs> dare you no you're right yeah she uh she definitely she comes back in uh i think uh three in uh nightmare on elm street three and she's like she's like instead of being like 16 or 17 she's clearly you know uh yeah 20 or yeah. eighteen or nineteen, and she looks like a, a female, like a, yeah. a like a grown woman, a woman. <laughs> so they they find out, you know, that they're all having similar dreams of this scary character, and then when Tina Tina's also the first to die, and that scene holds up, like the the she's caught in her dream. Freddie is going after her, and then you see... Well, she's sleeping with the scuzzy old boyfriend, right? Okay, uh, before we get to... Before we get to Tina's death, I gotta I gotta say, like, so... So it's Johnny Depp, Heather Langenkamp, and Tina hanging out at Tina's house. Why? Because Tina's mom's not there. And, uh, and so, you know, it's time to shack up kind of thing. And Johnny Depp and Heather Langenkamp are in a little, are in like a innocent relationship. Yeah. Like a kiss you on the, on the cheek. Like probably an actual realistic high school relationship. High school relationship. Not a movie. Right. Relationship. Yes, exactly. Tina and Rod are in a 80s teenage movie relationship. Right. Where he's like real rapey. 
and real like real rapey. This real is like this is where I was. <laughs> I'm gonna rape you. This is exactly where I was going with this. So they hear and then some she's spooky like, noise. <laughs> okay, they hear some spooky noises. I'm so glad you got the exact same <laughs> vibe off of this because they hear some spooky noises outside. Johnny Depp goes out. He's like, hey, I'm gonna hurt you if if you're out here. I, I if there's somebody out here messing with us, I'm gonna get you. He turns his back and then Rod jumps mm. on him. And uh, and they have a little, you know, <laughs> punching you in the shoulder kind of back and forth quarrel sort well, of moment. Does, he does the real bully, then, bully thing. Of and like, then Johnny Depp's like, hey, you know what? Fuck you, man. And Rod pulls out a fucking switchblade. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, this might have been a thing in the 80s. I don't know. I was pretty young. Yeah. Well, I love that he pulls out the switchblade and Johnny Depp's like, Jesus, like backing off. He's like, <laughs> look at him. He's afraid that I'm going to stab him. It's like, like he's scared of his for his life. It's like, yeah, he took out a you have a you're knife. brandishing a blade. Yeah. And uh, and then immediately threatening Johnny Depp's after threatening Johnny Depp's life, he walks behind Tina, grabs her around the neck, you know, in a noogie or rape pose. <laughs> And it's like, come on, baby, it's time to go make up inside. And she's like, I don't want to. And he's like, we're gonna. And then she's like, <laughs> and you're like, Whoa, that's so rapey. This is like basically yeah. rape. And Carrie's like, why do I feel so bad? And I was like, because this is rape. <laughs> he's shown everyone that he has a knife and that he's dead a danger. Right. And then he's willing to pull it on you. I love that they name him Rod. It's a little on mm -hmm. the nose. Mm -hmm. It's like... The only more on the nose name would be if they named him Dick. Dick McRamhard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Dick McSticky. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I'm glad that you got the same weird fucking rape vibe off of that scene as I did. Yeah. Because I feel like it could have just been thrown away. I feel like it, like lots of people may not just be tuned in enough. Like they're just like waiting for the stuff to start. Well, I mean, in. In modern times, it feels very out of place. In the eighties, that was very—that's like the tamest version yeah. of that. I don't know. Like I, this is—I this mean, you watch like you watch like movies like um, Animal House, and it just straight up has you know rape in it. Yeah. It's like, oh, she's passed out yeah. or something like that. I yeah. can't. I don't. I don't really remember Animal House. Um, so yeah, that happens, and I think the the function of that is like. Rod, is, you're not, you don't really care that much about Rod. And so when Rod is suspected of murder, you're like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But, but uh, to your point, like when Tina, so that night they do it, <laughs> have <laughs> sexual intercourse. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, well, I guess, I mean, I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. I guess I'm a pretty sick guy because this next scene, I, I could not believe how disturbing it was. Yeah. So you inside the dream, she's being attacked by Freddy Krueger. And then outside in real life, Rod is watching her as her stomach is ripped open. Then she levitates off the bed. Yeah. Spinning around uncontrollably. And then she like slams down into the corner of the room. And then she starts like being dragged up the wall and then onto the ceiling and she's like spinning around on the ceiling and there's blood shooting out of her. And it's like, good God, this is, and it's thinking of being rod in this scenario yeah. and you're seeing this shit. That's this, is the darkest shit. I can, that's, that's way, that's like taking the exorcist level 
disturbing vibe thing and just just cranking right past it. Yeah. It's incredible. The visuals. Yeah. So the idea of being able to be murdered in real life and from your dreams, such a great concept. And they really uh, use it to good effect here. Um, the one effect that when I was mentioning, some effects don't quite hold up. The one <laughs> that seems like a non sequitur is I think it's in the first dream where Freddy holds up his hand. And he's like, hey, watch this. And he cuts off two fingers. He's like, oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> and that's it. But <laughs> it's just like, look, look what I can do. But the, <laughs> <laughs> look, look what I can do. A uh, little mad TV reference for you. Uh, yeah. The but but this first dream, the Tina's first dream sequence is so ch- this is exactly what I'm talking about with sending it like they fucking sent it. So first in this dream sequence, he looks at her and he slices off two two fingers uh-huh. just- and it's. And this green goop is squirting out of him. Uh-huh. And then he, like, jumps on her, and she puts her hand on his face, and his face just falls off. Yeah, it's just and a like, skull underneath. That, oh! that, that still works. And Carrie's like, Carrie's like, I watched this when I was six. And I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ! If I had watched this when I was six, I'd have killed myself. I would have just, uh. just gone up on top of the roof and jumped off. Like, this was so... up, And it just... Cutting off his own fingers, his face falling off, her levitating off the bed, being slammed in the, being dragged up the wall, being spun around, and then being eviscerated in front of this dude. Like, ugh. Well, see, that's, that's a testament to the character is that when I was younger, I didn't really watch these movies because I was too young. Mm Mm-hmm. But I knew who Freddy Krueger was. Oh, hell yeah, man. He's iconic. Yeah. All you have to do is see him on the poster and you're like, oh, shit, that guy's going to get me. Yeah, he like I say in the so in the interview that's coming up, I I I tell Robert England, "Hey man, you you fucked me up. Like I didn't even <laughs> really watch any of your movies, but I pissed the bed instead of going to the bathroom because I was sure you were going to get me, you know?" And this was just last week. And this was just last week. How does that make you feel? He's like, pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I de- emasculated you in front of your wife. Uh-huh. Um, so what are, were there any effects that didn't hold up for you? There are plenty of effects that didn't hold up. Um, the, there are, the weird thing is con- contextually, they kind of hold up. Yeah. Th- like th- the ones that don't work on a literal level kind of work on a conceptual level. Yes. Yeah. You know, so like maybe the effect isn't the best looking or you can see the. Yeah. The s- one that I think of that you how you're describing is the the arms outstretched one where his arms are reaching too far like no he's like like scraping the fence or whatever mm. from mm. from like 20 feet away that um oh yes that's right no that's that's so disturbing to me still really? yeah that that speaks to the little kid in me of like ew what like it's so strange that's like a a, a practical effect uh-huh. that looks wrong and because it looks wrong, yeah. it's kind of added to, yeah. you know? I mean, I, I just think it doesn't, because it looks like, you just say, like, okay, well, that's where his shirt's sagging, where his hand is, and it transitions right. to a pole, yeah. you know? Yeah. But conceptually, it, it works. Right. Like, yeah, that would be 
scary as fuck. Good point. Good point. The the one that I think of is the stairs where she's running up the stairs. Oh man, I think that's perfect. It is. It's this is exactly what. And this is you know this is this is what we're talking about. C- conceptually, it works brilliantly because everyone can relate to your yeah. feet being stuck in cement and trying to get away in your dreams and you can't. But when you're looking at the screen, you can see the intent is that the stairs are made of carpet. You know, there is carpet, but it it just looks like spray foam painted stair color to me. Uh, Okay. So you kind of see, you kind of see the wires, so to speak. And, uh, and I go, Oh, well, yeah, the, obviously she's going to step on the next one and it's going to because that's foam. I can see that right. foam so it's with like my an, eyes. It's like in a cartoon where there's a panel that's a slightly different color. You're like, yes. all right, well something's going to happen there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but so but so it does work conceptually because I can relate to it, but just uh literally or 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 physically looking at it, it it doesn't it doesn't quite hit. And as far the worst effect, but in my opinion, the best one, because uh-huh. it's so bad it's good, is the final effect where her mother is pulled through the the window of the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She just, just uh, like, transitions immediately into inflatable sex doll coming whoop. through. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a goofy one. There's, But there's so many. Like, there's so many. Yeah. And some of them are so quick. That even though they're shitty, they work in the moment or they probably worked in the moment. Like Freddy's tongue becoming or mouth becoming the receiver for the phone. Yeah. And he's like, I'm your boyfriend now. <laughs> he's like, he sticks his tongue in her mouth and she's like, ah. And that's such an invade. This movie is like, it's a lot. There's a lot of rape. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of un like bad touch. Yeah. And the whole movie's based off of the bad touch vibe. Yeah. So originally Wes Craven specifically wanted Fred Krueger to be a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Like I heard pedophile and, mentioned in this movie. I think I heard the word, didn't I? I don't remember it mentioned, but in the synopsis. Yeah. It oh, says yes. Pedophile. Yes. In the synopsis, it does. But it doesn't really say it specifically in the movie and i think they forced him to kind of tone it down mm. because you know we just don't talk about pedophiles right i mean right you don't you just don't talk about pedophiles in polite company because i mean your your priest might be uh, right um so uh, but there's a lot of allusions to it there's a lot of just like creepy vibes that you're getting off of yeah, Kruger. It, it's so the like whole the, movie's bad touch. The tongue, like when she's in the bath and like her, his glove comes up out of the water. Yes, that's that's like we we. It's w- like it's like the the level of you know when the um, production code in the the fifties um, was going on in 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 the movie industry where you couldn't show anything controversial, but they got around it the best that they could by alluding to it. Right. Like, you can't show, like, I, on I Love Lucy, they couldn't show, like, a double or a queen bed because they married, married couples don't sleep together. They couldn't share a bed. Yeah. That would allude to sexual intercourse. Yeah. Even showing someone pregnant was like, Phew, don't. I mean, that's, uh, people don't want to see that. That's fucking disgusting. Are yeah. you kidding me? So, but they'd, like, allude to it as, you know, 
like Hitchcock showing a train going through a, a tunnel kind of thing, you know. So there's there's a lot of that in this movie where it's the like n- Lucy, tonight we're going to push the beds together. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not saying Fred Krueger is a pedophile and he molests kids or that he's going to molest you in your dreams. It's like eh, he's just kind of a little too familiar. Here's yeah. a shot of a of a pubescent girl in a tub. And some knife fingers right next to her vagina. You're looking at her through her legs. Yeah. <laughs> and here are some knife fingers right next to her vagina. And, uh, that, man, what a perfect meta. That is yeah. like, that is that scene where his hand reaches up out of the tub and she's falling asleep yeah. in the tub. The perfect metaphor for Aunt Flo coming to visit. It's just like... <laughs> This is not where I thought you were going. <laughs> That's there it is. I mean, it's all wrapped up so neatly in one little yeah, one little scene. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so I mean, there's there's some real iconic effect scenes in this movie. So that's one of them. Mm-hmm. The the hand coming up through the tub. The other one is Johnny Depp's death. Oh my which god! Is, I think the bloodiest scene up to that point in a mainstream movie i think like cannibal holocaust no the shining the shining uh had technically more oh, gallons of blood yeah for i sure. guess that's true but i mean yes it's it is so iconically okay so johnny depp is in bed he's got a tv on his on his pelvis and he's you know falling asleep it's late at night and uh and the bed or Freddie's hands come up through the bed and pull Johnny Depp down. Yeah, into like a hole. Into a hole, and and like everything gets sucked into yeah, this hole, like, like the, a TV, a TV, and a and a and a and a turntable, and like a bunch of shit. Yeah, and uh, and then and then it just a fountain of blood shoots up, and th- so much of this movie is like dreams is. Wes Craven had such a great vision for this movie. He's like, look, not only does it have to be disturbing, it has to be dream-like. Yeah. It can't be normal. The blood can't come out of the bed and land on the floor. Yeah. The blood has to settle as though gravity is is inverted on the ceiling. Yeah. And so this fountain, this fire hydrant of blood just <laughs> comes shooting up out of this bed and and it's settling on the ceiling and it's so fucking alarming looking yeah it's just uh um what's the other scene that's i mean yeah the first the first death is also super iconic oh yeah i mean so so lots of good stuff in there so they cut back on the uh the pedophile element and just said just called him a child killer now here's a question for you what would be scarier if you were haunted in your dreams by, you know, as a teenager or preteen, um, haunted by someone that will kill you or haunted by like an actual dream predator pedophile? It's like, hey, anytime you go to sleep, you're going to get you know, raped by a creepy man. Wait. What's what, the, what's what, the question exactly? What would be scarier? What's the question? What would be worse? What would what are the two options? So either you get murdered, either either the stakes are I actually die or uh-huh. I actually get raped? Yeah. Consistently. Die. die. Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably just prefer getting murdered. I feel like you fear death less. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how how disturbing would that be though if they if they just went there? He's like, oh no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill these kids. Like I I love kids. I love them a lot. Yeah. I'm I'm a pedophile. I'm a God lover of damn. Children. Look at those hot children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I mean that's uh, even just the slight allusion to it is disturbing enough, but the idea of it is a toss-up. I mean, it's, they're in the same realm. Yeah, yeah. No one wants to be to have that done to them. No one. Yeah. I mean, may- maybe somebody. I don't know. I'm not trying to kink shame you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's such a perfect premise for a villain, like just because you can't escape. Yeah. Sleeping. Yeah. And. The fact that he rules the dream world, he can do anything. It's and it's, it's not limited in any way, right? And so the stuff where Michael Myers is like, you see him off in the distance, and you're like, oh, yeah, spooky man standing. What's he gonna do over there? What's he spooky oh, man better, standing? You know, look at him. He's behind those sheets. What's he doing? What's he and doing? then up he disappears. Like, oh well, how did he do that? Or, like, he's far away, and then all of a sudden he's behind you, stabbing you. It's, like, kind of ruins the, it, you know, the suspension yeah. of disbelief. You're like, yeah. oh, okay, well, how did that happen? If he's, like, they try to imbue some of the, like, Michael Myers and, and Jason with semi, you know, fantastical powers of appearing whenever it's convenient to him. Yeah. Or whenever it can be most scary. But it really is, like... Well, that doesn't make sense, but okay, I'm scared because it was shocking. This setup allows that, and it doesn't break with it, the world. Yeah, it's built in. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's he's baked in with these Im, Im, impossible powers, yeah. and and I mean, but that's a double edged sword, you know, because because if you can do everything, you know, yeah. then you're Superman, and Superman's boring. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, so it's kind of a double edged sword, but it's done well in this movie. It just gets fucked out later. Um, Yeah, yeah, this this movie is pretty untouchable in terms of uh, in terms of just being kind of blameless in term. It it just uh, in premise. It's so perfect. It's it's um, I've heard it said, but it stands to it stands to to be true. Freddie did to dreams what Jaws did to water. Yeah. You know, it just made it like it, it just weaponized it. You know, it was already kind of spooky, you know, dreams. What are those? Sometimes they're spooky and I don't like that. And then it's like, oh, it puts a face to it. Yeah. 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 The other thing that really works well is Tina in a body bag when, when I love it. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like Scatman Carruthers coming back to, to Danny yeah. over and over. And he's, and he's like, Hey, I got I got you need some help. And it's like, whoa, that's kind of disturbing. But uh, but yeah, Tina keeps coming back in this gross body yeah. bag, and she's she's all fucked up. Yeah, she's all bloody and gross. Um, and then so what happens is um, they decide they figure out like, okay, well, we just can't go to sleep. And so, gosh, what is what is the character's name? Heather Langenkamp. Heather What's the actual character? I don't know. I never. I'm so bad at remembering. I know. At remembering character names. Here, Nancy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, anyways, um, ah, geez, Midge. So Nancy kind of figures out the rules that she can't sleep, and so she's staying awake and trying to get 
someone, anyone to sit and watch while she sleeps <laughs> so to wake her up. Everyone is so unreliable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the mom in this movie, it, like the implication of the two parents, the mom and the dad, these bumbling fools who can't, who have no desire. I mean, the, all outward appearances is, hey, stay safe. But they're not paying attention to the actual thing that she keeps talking about. Yeah, that's such a like the kids are not all right thing yeah. and theme that that's kind of a very common theme in the 80s. Yeah, so she's keeping herself awake by taking um, caffeine pills. So obviously she hasn't seen the iconic episode from Saved by the Bell where Jesse gets addicted to caffeine pills. I haven't seen that Do you remember this? No. Well, I pulled a clip. Oh, okay. This is from Saved by the Bell? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. A very special episode. Jesse, hey. Hey, just calm down. It's okay. You're right. It's okay. Everything will be okay. I just need one of these. Pills? You mean you really are taking drugs? I need them. Jesse, give me those. I need them back. I have to sing. Jesse, you can't sing tonight. Yes, I can. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Wow. (laughs) They... The very special drug episode. They're like, hey, we got to show the effects of addiction to drugs and the drug that they pick is... Caffeine pills. The obvious choice. Yeah. <laughs> Caffeine. Let me tell you. So there's these things called nootropics. Have you heard of these? They're like, they're these, uh, it's like a variety of different, uh, different substances. A lot of mushrooms and stuff like that. Okay. That are supposed to have like some, uh, some clarifying effect on your mind. So I was like, yeah, I'll get some of these. See what, see what they're all about. Take them a couple times. Now I, for those of you who don't know, I do enjoy substances. I'm just not good with them. Mm-hmm. I'm not what you would call someone who has good trips. And now you're thinking, oh, trips, what's that got to do with nootropics? These are just these are just like modern day healthy pet pills kind of thing. No. <laughs> that girl with who is on that bad caffeine trip, <laughs> that's me on, on nootropics. I get- I'm so excited i get so paranoid i'm so excited i get so paranoid like they're just paranoia pills for me i just take them and i'm like (sighs) like one of my favorite lines in this film is after johnny depp you know is liquefied they (laughs) the cops are in there and uh the paramedics are coming in and, and one of the cops goes like you don't need a stretcher up there. You need a mop, <laughs> which is like true. It just looks like he was put in a blender. Yeah. There's nothing left, but just he's, yeah, he's just been blenderized. Yeah. Yeah. The ninja. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's a great film there. Do you have any, any other things that you want to talk about? Well, it says here that you, that you think you should get that half shirt. Outfit. Oh yeah. Yeah. The other thing, like the that half Johnny shirts, Depp. the half shirts on men in the early eighties, like, what was that about? Uh, could, could I just bring that back? Just me in particular. I think. Just I mean, like, I think we should let our. I think we should let our listeners decide. It's kind of a thing right now for for girls to have those half shirts. At least I see it on TikTok. Yeah, like the the shirts that you raise your arms and it covers your boobs, but not. I mean, you get a little like sliver of underboob. Right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, I've I've been recording this whole episode. Sans Jesus. with no shirt at all. He's oh, you like his, that? 
Ugh, he's grabbing his nipples and like oh. pulling up. Oh Jesus! Yeah, well, this will go on our Instagram. You'll, you'll get uh, if you guys if you guys want to head on over to uh, Horror Movie Talk podcast on Facebook or uh, Instagram. You can check check out me. I was uh, trying shirt, to find, shirtless to re- recording this episode. I was trying to find that guy that they show on your mom's house. Mm. The the nipple tweaking. Guy. Oh, I love that. He guy. was just like going to town. You like that? Bang! He yeah. just yeah. Some people can't. I love. I can't. I love. The enthusiasm. <laughs> that man is clearly so excited to be showing you his, his like, his calloused nipples that are just, oof. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I think I hit everything that I wanted to talk about. This is such a great, just overall movie. It's good to watch it's effective i uh, yeah i i think you got to you got to check it out if you haven't already yeah i uh yeah, I don't, final recommendations like this is this should be at the top of the list yeah you know? yeah um i'm i've seen number 3 i didn't care for it uh as much and and we maybe maybe because it was um it was really highly praised by a lot of people, and then, yeah. And then I and I watched. It, I was like, "This is all right." I think pretty much any slasher that's highly praised falls flat. It's like hey, it's still, yeah. it's still just what it is. Yeah, like it's, it, yeah. I don't know. It's who knows what what makes it better in in people's minds. It might have been just a time or frame of mind or something. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. So apparently, Dustin says number two. Yeah, is is his favorite, and yeah, that there's at a lot D-Gobel of zero zero on Instagram. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that say it's the worst Elm Street. No, wait, this is yeah, no, this yeah. Elm Street. Yeah, and uh, number two is the one with the uh, the gay protagonist. Yeah, and the, apparently the real life director and uh, main actor were closeted homosexuals, so it kind of adds another layer to it and i'm kind of curious of, of watching it. i've never seen it so i might maybe you all are homosexuals boo <laughs> so yeah check it out so now let's uh not delay any longer we had the pleasure to interview freddie himself mr robert england about his latest project where he voiced linda blair's character's father's gob of snot <laughs> In J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales on Adult Swim. So here is our interview with Robert England. Thank you so much, Robert, for for yeah. coming in and uh, being interviewed here. Um, we're really excited to talk to you. Uh, horror Movie Talk is a horror movie review podcast, and it's been going on for close to two years now. And so we uh, are right in the wheelhouse of a lot of your fans. <laughs> yeah, big well, time. Well, you know, I... I I love talking to you guys because I, you know, we're in such a great renaissance moment of time now. I'm not talking about the the coronavirus, but in terms of all the platforms and all the streaming, people really do, especially the fans, if they really do their due diligence, uh, I I think they they can find a lot more out there uh, besides Avengers 14. (laughs) Uh, There's just so much... I was just talking to a gentleman about a film I love called Hold the Dark uh, with Jeffrey Wright. And uh, uh, it's just a terrific little film. But there's so many films like that that have fallen through the cracks a bit. 
and they're so great. And I just love it when when fans rediscover them, even if it's a year or so down the line. Uh, I think it's just so important to support all the good work that's being done. It doesn't always get, you know, the publicity it deserves. Well, we absolutely agree with you. And uh, and some of our favorite stuff is kind of the little hidden gems out there. Robert, I had my first question for you. This is this is goes. I mean, a lot of my questions go way back to my childhood <laughs> in the 80s. But I had a friend in school whose dad lived in New Mexico. And this friend claimed that his dad lived next to you. Did you ever live next to a man with the last name of Shoneman or was my friend full of shit? <laughs> no, I, to this day, I have a little casita in Santa Fe, New Mexico. <gasps> and before I had my casita, I stayed in New Mexico a lot. So if he was in Santa Fe, it's probably true. Oh my God. I thought, yeah. I thought he was just full of shit all this time. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I haven't been there in the last year, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's great. I, I got a buddy there, uh, an actor is my house sitter. Wow. And they, they do a lot of work in New Mexico. Breaking Bad is the easiest one. Yeah. But they, they shoot a lot. And it's only like an hour flight from L.A., so they can get a lot of our actors and talent as well. But uh, it's really a great place in late spring, and it's really great from September through November. Uh, Well, September, October is nice. Yeah, my my brother actually lived in New Mexico. He lived in Clovis, New Mexico, which is a thriving metropolis. (laughs) Well, it depends. You know, they're like... Taos is great, uh-huh. and uh, there's a couple of great places over in the Jemez Mountains and in Santa Fe. Um, there's a lot of secret places. We, My wife and I drove over the mountains once uh, in New Mexico. I'm trying to think of the name of that town we left from, but we were still in New Mexico. We were coming into Silver City, and we had come over this narrow two-lane road through the forest and it was we were high in the mountains and halfway through was a little tiny western town and it had been completely taken over by the first wave of silicon valley money huh oh i thought you were going a way different direction i thought that was <laughs> oh, going to be a hills have eyes sort of guys <laughs> that got out the first guys and i don't know if you guys remember this but this was around the time of the everybody, Dave Letterman, Tom Brokaw, everybody was into fly fishing. Oh, okay. And fly fishing was the big deal. If you went to Sundance, Robert Redford was flying. Everybody was fly fishing. And halfway up this mountain, this little town, and all the money, all these people got out when the going was good. They were they, These people had Bill Gates money, some of them. And they all had these beautiful adobe, wood, oak ranch houses. They had this little town with a brand new Robert Altman, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, wooden oak sidewalk, uh, gravel streets, the best four by four sitting around, you know, oh, old vintage Broncos. You'd go, you went in the, the little tiny uh, general store. And you could get a a, a, a a flexi flyer 
you could get the best scotch in the world, Ooh. and you could get a can of Franco-American spaghetti. They had everything. They had everything. It's <laughs> bizarre place. They also had their own private fish and hunt club because that's how much money was in this little huh. in the middle of nowhere. Nice. So it's a strange, you know, there's been, people have been coming and going and coming and going in New Mexico. Uh, you know, Julia Roberts is up there uh, in Taos, some other people. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting state. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful state out there. I've, I've visited a couple times. Um, so you're, you're here to talk a little bit about um, your new project, J.J. Villard's Fairy Tales, uh, which we've viewed a couple screeners as pretty uh, twisted little cartoon that's going to be on uh, the Cartoon Network's Adult Swim premiering May 10th at 12.30? At, at midnight, I believe. Midnight. Yeah, um, it's real late because it's strange. It's yeah. a strange, <laughs> strange show. I, you know, in my episode, I, I they call my one of my characters Porridge Daddy. But when I did it, I was Linda Blair's father's gob of snot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course you were. Of course you were. <laughs> that gives you kind of a taste of what I love that shit. It's going to be on IMDb for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. IMDb. So, so how did was, you get involved with it? Well, you know, I do tons of voice work and, uh, you know, uh, I've done a lot for Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and I've done Adult Swim. So that, that somebody there must have known who I was. And, I, you know, I've been narrating movies and stuff for years and games. And uh, but I just jumped at it because I knew that J.J. had been associated with some of the Shrek's projects. And I love the idea that he was just doing these rough uh, twisted, gross, raw fairy tales, you know, kind of just twisting and getting real surreal with the Brothers Grimm. When I was a kid, I remember the great uh, fractured fairy tales that came out of the Jay Ward uh, uh, studio, which did, you know, of course they did Rocky and Bullwinkle and uh, mm-hmm. Natasha and Boris and all of that stuff. Um, but I just like the idea of kind of reinterpreting fairy tales and just getting really crazy and beyond mad magazine and uh, just just off the wall you know post but Be- beavis and butthead you know post rick and morty uh just going wherever you want to go and i actually got to do the voice work to these weird kind of scribbled penciled uh storyboards which was really fun i'd never done that before usually we do our voice work uh all alone in the booth uh you know looking across a, an empty stage to uh the guys all sequestered in their little aquarium sound booth <laughs> but uh, i actually had jj sitting right next to me you know giving me ideas all the time and uh and it was it was really a fun experience yeah you mentioned being like post beavis and butthead post rick and morty this is definitely that jj villard's fairy tales is about as as off the wall horror oriented as as I can think of. I I had a question for you, Robert. When I was a little kid, I saw a piece of Nightmare on Elm Street Five Dream Child, and it I'm talking it affected me, and uh, and I peed the bed multiple nights instead of risking running to the bathroom. Now think now take that in for a minute. What does that feel like to be responsible for bringing to life one of the most terrifying characters in movie history? Well, you know, I sort of anticipated and expected that uh, over the years. Uh, And that's my job. And I would have to test 
my uh, my scare factor every once in a while <laughs> uh, backstage, back in the sound stage in the dark with some six foot two grip in a tool belt. You know, I would jump out from behind the scene and see if I still had it. Because you, after a while, everybody knows it's just Robert underneath latex, you know, when you're on the set. And I'm just sitting around telling dirty jokes with its Teamsters. <laughs> but uh, no, the surprising thing, because it was so controversial when it first came out and dark, and it scared a lot of people, and it was banned in Canada or somewhere, and, 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 and you know, it really had ratings problems in, in some countries in Europe. Because I was so invested in all of that gossip and those stories, I didn't realize that actually the real phenomenon of Nightmare on Elm Street is it was such a magnificently popular video and then DVD sale. And there are eight movies and yeah. they would come out every year yeah. for 10 years. Every year there was one coming out and then they'd come out with extras and then they'd come out, you know, box set and you'd have to get them for the art and then they'd come out DVD and then Blu-ray and, you know, and, and box set and, and extras and the making of, and there was a, there's two generations of fans that experienced the Nightmare on Elm Street movies at home in their living room in the dark with some cold pizza and some warm beer and mom or dad or big brother or big sister or the next door neighbors or the babysitter. And they got just as scared as you did, but in their home. Yeah. And they have the memory of it is shared. They're not alone watching it. They're watching their sister pee her pants. <laughs> they're listening to their dad. They're listening to their dad outside, and he's got a rake, and he's scratching the outdoor window with a rake to scare the kids. Boy, man, that's brother true. is dressing in an old slouch hat, and he's got uh, popsicle sticks taped to his fingers, and he's <laughs> making his shadow on the wall of the younger brother's room. Hold on, I got to write down some of these for my kids. It was such a family experience for so many years, literally from 85 until 2010. And uh, because, you know, Freddy versus Jason was 2004. And then we had to wait for that DVD to come out. And so, and there's always people catching on. Johnny Come Lately. Uh, to the project, and they're watching it on a video or DVD or streaming it. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 Freddie invaded the home. He really did get into the house. Every town has an Elm Street. Every home has an Elm Street. And But the experience was, one, in looking back and in hindsight, it's a shared family experience. And I can't tell you how many fans, especially people that have lost their parents, or lost a brother in Iraq or Afghanistan or a sister. They have this memory of the Nightmare on Elm Street films as this great shared family experience. The family that gets scared together stays together, you know? And it's just this weird adjunct to what you're saying. I anticipated that I was going to make a lot of kids shit their pants. That's (laughs) what I thought I was supposed to do. When you hear about families sharing one of those old, you know, 
1980s uh, uh, blankets on the back of the couch, you know. Mm -hmm. It looks like they're made from potholders. And they're all sitting around with pizza breath. And they've turned all the lights off in the living room. And they're watching Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. And they've rented it. They couldn't afford to go see it in the movie theaters because movie prices got too expensive. But now... It was out on video, and mom and dad let them choose it on the weekend. They had it all weekend before they had to take it back. Remember, you used to have to take those things back. So you'd watch it, and they. this is the first time there was pause buttons, and the first time there was rewind and replay. So people really studied the movies, and they watched them, and they would scare themselves over and over, and they would memorize the dialogue. <laughs> and it's just this great, weird uh, hindsight uh, gift uh, that I have from my fans that I never even realized at the time. Yeah. So you've, uh, I mean, obviously Nightmare on Elm Street is a like one of the greatest franchises in horror history and, and a huge part of your career. Um, even on just those movies, you've worked with a lot of directors, but you, if you look at your IMDb, you've got like over 160 acting credits, um, which I assume has put you has crossed your paths with lots of different directors. Do you have um, any favorite directors to work with or, or um, well, um, my beloved, my beloved Wes Craven and my beloved Toby Hooper who are gone now, yeah. you know, may they rest in peace. Both of those guys let me do what I want. And I love that. They totally trusted me the moment I had the part, but I got spoiled early on you guys i had daniel petri whose boys are still working and are big deals in the directing guild union and and uh, uh they do a lot of work daniel petri the whitest guy in the world daniel directed me in my first movie and was also my first starring role 1973 he'd done uh the original raisin in the sun and he you know sydney poitier and Ruby D and 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 uh, Lou Gossett Jr., these amazing actors that he discovered, African American Oscar winning movie stars, they all became. And Dan taught me something very valuable. I had the you know this is back in the day, and they weren't as sophisticated. And I was playing an albino Southerner, and I have light green eyes. <laughs> and they wanted to make my eyes look pink because I was an albino, and they gave me. Uh, red uh, contact lenses and they were made in Beverly Hills at great expense but they were like putting you know tea saucers in my eyes <laughs> you know uh, and they were huge and uncomfortable and I could feel them they felt like they weighed a pound each uh, and they made my eyes brown because red and green make brown so my eyes were actually darker than they were in real life. And albinos have very light eyes. And on my first day of shooting, I said, Dan, I don't think I can wear these. I said, my eyes are watering. They look darker. All I can think about is how much they weigh. I can feel them in there. I'm blinking funny. And I said, let me just take them out. And let me squint like an albino that's light sensitive and my own light eyes. I think that'll work. And he said, you're absolutely right. Those things look like shit. Take them out. He goes, Robert, the eyes are the windows of the soul. And, you know, to on your first movie, starring role, 
A-list director and for him to take your advice and then make your job that much easier and give you that much confidence and trust. Uh, just a great, great experience. And I went right from that into Stay Hungry with Jeff Bridges and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sally Field. And Bob Rafelson really trusted me on that. Really let me cho choreograph a fight scene a little bit. Uh, you know, really treated me like an equal. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm hanging out. Practically had Scatman Crothers as a roommate from The Shining. Wow. <laughs> wow. No way. We had an adjoining room together, yeah. Wow. And uh, so, I mean, and, and I, the experiences like that with directors that kind and, and humane, it really gives you a boost of confidence early on. I've, I've got a question for you regarding kind and humane directors, because I didn't realize until you just said it that you had worked with Toby Hooper on Night Terrors and, and I think another movie. Oh, I did, I did five movies with Toby. I, my best thing I did with Toby is a thing for Showtime called Masters of Horror. But my, my, my question is, Toby is obviously, you know, there's a lot of talk about the, you know, it's still about the, how badly he treated everyone on um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And um, it, was that your experience at all with Toby? Or, or no, was Toby was one of the best, one of the kindest, gentlest guys. Wow. I've ever worked with Toby's voice is like a mark. It, 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 it kind of mark Robert, 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 Robert. I'm I'm I'm, I'm watching over here now. Okay, that sounds like voice. my dad. Toby's <laughs> the sweetest guy in the world. He's just got that barky chain smoker's voice. Um, but no, Toby is, is intellectual, knows history, knows all kinds of music, knows exactly what he needs and wants. I think that. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a extreme low budget movie made in Texas in the heat of summer. Yeah, sounds pretty and, miserable. And everybody would have been miserable with sticky blood all over you <laughs> and working yeah. 14 or 15 hours straight. And but everybody was. That's just the nature of that project. Yeah. When I worked with Marilyn Burns. I worked with his star from that movie. And I've been drunk with Gunnar Hansen, <laughs> and they never said a bad word about Toby to me. Wow, that's awesome. That's this is that uh, that changes my my whole outlook on 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 that. Did you have a, another question, Bryce, or did you want to go with one of mine? Um, I just had kind of a general question. You, you you know this this project that you're on, JJ Villard's Fairy Tales, and you mentioned the the twisted fairy tales in your childhood. Do you think? Uh, what do you think is like the scariest fairy tale? to tell your kids? Well, you know, if it's done right, dark, uh, boy, Rumpelstiltskin is pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's nasty. And then there's what the, the uh, Billy Goat, what is the, the troll under the bridge? Billy Goat Gruff. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But, you know, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. German. Yeah. Brothers Grimm. <laughs> Germanic. <laughs> And it's a cautionary tale. My little children, there is a great famine now in our Uber Germany. There is no food. If you do not behave, you must leave the home. You must leave it. Now, what happens if you're a little kid and you leave home in the middle of a famine, banished by your parents into the dark forest, 
into the black forest. What's the first indication of starvation? You hallucinate. And what would you hallucinate if you're a starving child? A house made of strudel and, <laughs> and cream. Two German cream for me and my men. You know, and, that, I, I, that's, and that's how dark that shit was. Robert, I think your next project needs to be you narrating Grimm's fairy tale, Grimm's oh. brother's fairy tales in a German accent. I well, would pay know, good Doug, money for Doug that. Doug Bradley and I did uh, some H.P. Lovecraft that came out pretty good on, on CDs. Uh, there's a couple of those that came out pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, did you did you get a chance to see uh, Gretel and Hansel, the recent? Uh, it's not, it literally, you guys, this is funny. It's literally the top of the list by the side of my bed. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah. It's I literally got I literally got all caught up yesterday. Uh, I'm pretty caught up. I mean, I'm looking forward. I want to see where they're going with Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. Uh, and uh, there's some other stuff I'm looking forward to, but that's the top of my list for for Nancy and I. Yeah, you'll. And, you, you I have, have a. have some uh, homemade quesadilla <laughs> and some chilled white wine and the dog at our feet. And if the weather gets a little nicer, we'll open the windows and we'll watch the sunset over Catalina and go right into Gretel und Hansel. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're really roughing it during during COVID. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, so you know. One of the tricks to do, you guys, and you guys can write this off like I can write it off. It's yeah. R&D. Yeah, no, absolutely. On Fridays, on Fridays, I put on On Demand. I go and I go through all the new discoveries, all the new releases. And anytime there's a trailer I want to see, I watch the trailer for free. Then I go over to Netflix. I look at all the new stuff. I look at all the trailers. They're all free. And then I go over to Prime Video and I see if there's any new Amazon movies or any new Prime Video stuff, you know, whether it's Ozark or Harry Potter. And I look at the trailers. If it's something that I think I'll like, maybe it's some Scandinavian noir. Volvos and the blood on the snow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then maybe, maybe I'll go over, I'll go to iTunes or somewhere else. And I look at the trailers and now I have a list by the side of my bed of four or five things I want to see, you know, and uh, that's I've been finding a lot of great stuff. And I've been finding stuff that's, you know, slipped through the cracks, too. In your in your searches for all these, f f f you know, through through it sounds like you're an avid you know, movie connoisseur. Have you ever uh, come across any movie or show that really struck you as being too much or too scary? Have, is, is, have you have you found your limits ever? Well, you know, in terms of slasher or grindhouse, um, just by the nature of those formats, they don't get to me as much. I, 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 yeah. What gets me more is the surprise. Um, I'm trying to think of the last thing I saw. The last thing I saw that caught me by surprise and freaked me out, and I shit my pants and I had to turn away for just a second, was Bone Tomahawk. Oh, man. Great. That, yeah, that was so spectacular. And, and you know what Bone Tomahawk is? It's Samuel Beckett meets Samuel Peckinpah in the opening. And you've got Sid Haig and David Arquette doing Waiting for Godot on the graveyard of ancient Americans, Anastasi, Indian. Yeah. Yeah. Indian sacred grounds, right? And they're 
body snatchers. They're grave robbers, grave robbers. So it's, they're like two characters out of a peck and pop play, but they're also waiting for Godot with their bowler hats and their ill-fitting suits. So there's a certain, then where do you go? Then you go into Howard Hawks, freshly painted American West with Kirk Doug, with, with, with Kurt, uh, 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 oh my God, help me. Uh, Russell yeah. as John Wayne and Patrick Wilson as Jimmy Stewart and Matthew Fox from Lost doing the dandy, the dandy, the man with a pearl handled revolver, the dandy that can shoot, the dandy who does have some heroism. And you meet them all and it's all set up and a woman gets kidnapped. And now our three heroes ride out into the landscape from their Howard Hawks, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Robert Altman, brand new frontier town. Now they leave. They leave their Clint Eastwood pale rider town and they ride out into the landscape and they find the Indians and there's an ambush and it's fabulous. And then it turns into full fucking cannibal Italian horror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't see it coming, man. I know. Yeah. I had it recommended to me just kind of, um, off the cusp, uh, from someone who was like, you'd probably like this. And yeah, what a welcome surprise that movie there's was. Another one called blue Ruin. Yes, that one was also spectacular. I, I the believe. actor in Blue Ruin is also in uh, Hold the Dark. I I've seen Blue Ruin. I haven't seen Hold the Dark. It's amazing. Yeah, I yeah. I, I got to check that out because I think I think I've seen that mentioned uh, as as well. Uh, it's well, really it's Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, Skarsgård from True Blood, Riley Keough. I love Skarsgård. And, and literally in the middle of the movie, and it's dark shit, it's, uh, it's Lupin Wolf legend in Native American lore exploited on white trash kids. And they're in the middle of this m- weird, dirty, muddy myth on the reservation. In, in the middle of it, there's a shootout. It's the best edited, best shootout in the history of movies. Yeah, it's... Period. It's great. It's unbelievable. You got to see it. Yeah. Uh, Robert, you're a horror movie icon. You're a movie icon. You're one of the, one of the defining, you, you've made one of the defining characters in all of horror. I, I want to be respectful of your time. I just have two more quick questions for you and then I'll let you go. Um, <laughs> the first question is, will you be Freddy again? No. Never, I know. I would love to do a cameo in a reboot. I, I would, I'd love to go back and, and in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors and play the dream analyst, the uh, the therapist that was played by Amy Irving's mother. Oh, that'd be so great. I would love to play her part, you know, be the skeptical doctor. I think it would be fun. I think it would be a great use of cameo in, in, in a remake. Uh, something like that would be fun, but no, they got to get a new Freddy. I don't know, man. I I think I think if if you're not going to reprise the role, then Freddy Freddy may be dead. I don't know. It's <laughs> Freddy versus Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> my last my last question for you, Robert. Would you please give us a soundbite? Um, just something like, "Hi, this is Robert England, and you're listening to Horror Movie Talk." Okay. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Totally ready. Okay. 
Hi, Robert England here, a.k.a. Freddy fucking Krueger. <laughs> and you're listening to Horror Movie Talk. Bravo. I, okay. Thank you so much, Robert. Okay. We really appreciate your time. All right. You have a good day. You have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> hey. uh, oh, you're a crazy guy. Thank you so much, Robert. We really appreciate you uh giving us that interview. I I'm I've been on Cloud Nine. Yeah. This is just this is just the best. And I've never wanted to go to New Mexico more. Never. Yeah. yeah. I've it's it seems like a magical place instead of the potentially the most boring place on earth. Now. <laughs> So, um, let's get into it came from social media. Yes, it came from social media to fill the world with terror, to bring you unforgettable suspense. <coughs> what was it? Where did it come from? Who were the all powerful creatures it brought from social media? And what did they want on earth? came from social media as a segment where we read comments from you guessed it social media um lot of chatter on social media this Tell last well, week. you know you know uh twitter uh annabelle j or at joker o doom uh, said, I absolutely love dark humor and everything you guys said really resonated uh talking about um what was the movie she was I don't remember hereditary? what she was referring to. Oh, yeah, Hereditary. That's what it was. Um, gave a listen to the Hereditary episode, and it was awesome. I rarely listen to podcasts, but this is this one just hooked me. So. Hey, Annabelle, we appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, On also on Twitter, Shay Loves Horror, at Shay Loves Horror. Uh, she says, hey, I just found your podcast. I'd have to say my favorite horror movie would be As Above, So Below. I could watch that movie a hundred times times yeah well i got good news for you annabelle we will be reviewing that movie this month because our patrons voted oh really and uh yeah someone switched their vote so finally we have a not a three-way tie <laughs> so excellent we're gonna watch as above so below so you'll see our take on that definitely dr thought i ag i agree by the way as, yeah. i mean well i kind of do as above so below is such a feel like it's it gives you it's a perspective-changing movie kind of feeling. Yeah. Dr. Thos, or at fucking suave Ben, said, listening to your podcast now, the witch episode, uh, my favorite horror movie would be Mulholland Drive, but that's probably controversial, so I'll say The Exorcist Chainsaw and The Shining. Sorry, it's impossible to name just one. That's a common thing. Like, I ask everyone what their favorite horror movie is, but if you're a real horror fan, it's hard to... Pin pick one yeah because yeah, feel free you have more than one fear so um he said i recently found out uh found that out oh wait oh to me he said to me lynch is our greatest living horror director but never gets mentioned in these discussions his movies actually really disturb me yeah lynch david lynch is he's not thought of as a horror director but there's definitely very strong horror elements and he's more of like a surrealist or yeah you know, I mean, have you seen Eraserhead? I haven't. It is. I mean, it's just one of these experience, experiential movies, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's he does a lot of existential stuff where it's uh, 
it's like the the horror of life kind of thing. Yeah. So if if that's your bag, I've never seen Mulholland Drive. I have seen the moment in Mulholland Drive. You know, the one that everybody touts as being maybe potentially one of one of the most disturbing jump scares ever. But um, but yeah, I've never seen the actual thing. Yeah. Um, Robbie at Sleepy Socks on Twitter. Uh, Sleepy Sockets. Sleepy Sockets. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. He says, hey, no problem. I've heard one ep so far and loved it. Uh, he listened to us. So I'll definitely be listening to more. He also says picking up a f- picking a favorite is so hard. So it's uh, by no means definitive. But his top horror movies off the top of his head are Nightmare on Elm Street series. Yeah, he cheats on that. The Exorcist and Scream. So a lot of Wes Craven, mm-hmm. big Wes Craven fan, um, are my three faves. I love so many, though. He also says, I've been working my way through the Halloween movies again and went in search uh, for related podcasts on Pocket Cast, which I guess is an Android app, and I found Horror Movie Talk there. Can't wait for the new episode. I'll be sure to visit the older episodes before yeah, then. Because I told him our, I told him our next episode was going to be this one, A Nightmare on Elm Street. So he was excited to hear about that. Um, at T Moon, and then his name is a bunch of, I'm assuming. Chinese characters. Anyway, at T Moon uh, underscore racist. underscore. You're not um, allowed to talk about China. He said pretty much he's heard every single episode uh, by now of the show. As soon as I found you guys, I went on a binge. Um, and he says, I need a Halloween 3 review from you guys. Uh, Season of the <laughs> Witch is amazing, and I'm sure you guys would love it, uh, even though Michael's not in it. Keith has a uh, blog specifically about that movie. It's a big compendium, uh, specifically about how that movie did not get its fair shake. So, yeah, we should prop. I mean, I we've been over the past two Halloweens, we've reviewed Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and Halloween the 2018. Yeah. So, I guess we'll probably just I mean, keep we, that trend going. Yeah, I mean... We seem to be doing, you know, intentionally at least a a Halloween movie episode during October. Yeah. Um, okay. So on Facebook now, friend of the show, Magnus, I call him Magnus the Manus. Um, he had a comment after listening to our last episode. He said, okay, strong feelings about slashes. Obviously, my favorite is Halloween. Why is that obvious? I don't. I don't know. People, it's like the granddaddy. I guess. I, I Okay, go on. Uh, but me and my friend recently watched all the Friday ones in a massive row, and I have found a true love and respect for Jason. True. Even though the sequels become so fucking dumb at, at a point, <laughs> it's funny how they always feel a need to retell the basic plot of the first movie, even in fucking space. <laughs> Thousands of miles from Earth, and in the future, they still talk about a local urban legend killer, which is a good point. And then he said, all that said, I always saw Texas as one of the big five and not Hellraiser. Um, and then he also said, um, so I reached the end of the episode, and yes, that's what all Swedes sound like, and actually what I think I sound like. And yes, Bryce is extremely racist, worse, probably worse than Hitler. So here I pulled the clip that he's talking about where mm. we mm. where we uh where you were being we assumed, tremendous racist. We assumed what, you know, it could have just been any episode. You could have just pulled at random yeah. and you'd be a huge racist yeah, probably. That's true. Magnus, our boy from uh, from Swede Town, he, he says, oh, my boys are moving up in the world. I don't know if that's how he says. He probably said it like in a My sex. boys are moving up in the town. <laughs> I've, I'm pretty sure that's how he sounds. 
yeah. <laughs> Racist. So I mean, I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, thanks, Magnus. We love you. Um, yeah, you know, Dave S uh, reached out to us. Was it, that was on Facebook? Uh, he says he lives in Phoenixville, PA, the home of uh, Colonial Theater, uh, which is the setting for the original Blob movie. In fact, we have a Blob Fest. I've, this is the second or third time I've heard about Blob Fest yeah. within the past couple of weeks. In fact, we have a Blob Fest every year to commemorate. Long story short. It's another local theater that's aging since it's whole since it holds history in horror canon. I think it would make a good shout out in the podcast for support. So you guys check out the what was the name of that theater? Colonial something? The Colonial Theater in uh Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> so check them out. Give them some support in this time where they are surely hurting. And uh, yeah, and tell them HMT sent you. On patrons, we've been talking to our on Patreon. We've been talking to our patrons, Crispy, Crispy, Crispy. <laughs> Just gonna call her Crispy Bacon. Uh, Crispy uh, <laughs> says. S, have you seen 30 Days? It's like a modern take on the vampires and the cold, dark environment. The is people... that 30 Days of Night? I think it is. Probably. I think that's what she's The referring. people hiding in and under their houses terrify yeah. me. And I think I'm going to have to watch it again. I have not seen that. I have. I don't like it. Oh. It feels like that, those, that dumb... I hate it. I hate those things. Mm. I'm sorry, Crispy. Uh, it's it's one of these things where it feels like what's that movie Underworld where it's like vampires versus uh, werewolves but there's but you know it's just it's just kind of actiony yeah I I don't like action in my horror movies for some weird reason and then she calls out Haunting of Hill House the series on Netflix she says it's better than most horror movies I've seen in the last two years which we agree. Yeah, no, absolutely. Haunting of Hill House. We we had multiple discussions where we were like, should we have an episode on this? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's a fabulous show. I think Mike that, Mike Flanagan like has not made a bad movie or TV show in years. A bold statement. Um, but but to my but you know, Chris, I mean, everybody's ta- like I've I've been quoted as saying many times, everybody's taste is shitty, definitely mine. So yeah, it's just a six of one, half a dozen of another. If you like it, I'm I'm happy for you. Uh, and she says, glad to be part of the patron club. And we're glad that uh, you joined us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jason C. has been has been memeing, memeing us hard. Yeah. <laughs> I like the one where, he, where he's got me farting and you and your face is uh-huh. just like. Uh. <laughs> uh, he says, need both of your help to settle a three-year argument. When I convinced one of my friends to see it, she hates horror movies, uh, we had no knowledge of the story behind it. So we were going in blind. After the characters were all introduced, she said, the black kid is going to die first. His response, Jason's response, was, no, the fat kid is going to die first because he can't run. Obviously, we were both wrong according to the film outcome, but I want to know who's right when both tropes are in the same movie. Does the fat kid die first or does the black kid die first? And we disagreed on this, I think. Yeah, what did you say? I said the fat kid. Now, what's your logic behind that? Um. Okay, so... The the black guy always dies first trope has not been true for decades. What what's become a trope wrong since the wrong 
since the 70s is pointing out that the black guy always dies first. Hang on. I Hang on. I have to defend myself here. Like every, you know, since the, well, at least since the 90s. No. You're insane. You're, you're people an have insane said, person. They break the fourth wall and say, hey, I'm black. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, be the one that dies first because that's what always happens in horror movies. And I don't think that's really the case anymore. Listen, I cannot understand you. This is crazy. You're a fool. I can't cope with the stupid bitchy. Understand? Um, on the other hand, the fat kid or the fat characters, um, whether they're likable or not, they are definitely the weakest and, uh, get picked off. Here we go. Uh, in 300, Leonidas kicks the black messenger down a well first. Okay. Not a horror movie. Doesn't matter. It's a, it's a movie trope. No, it's a horror movie trope specifically. The black guy dying first is a movie trope. Movie trope. It doesn't have to be a horror movie trope. It just has to be a movie. Okay, fine. Aliens versus Predators. Requiem. A group of five students. The black guy dies first. Uh, American Psycho. The first victim of Patrick Bateman is a black man. That was 2000. Baby Driver. It was? Yeah. Who's the black guy? That He's the homeless person. Oh, okay. I have nothing in common with you. Um... Uh, let's see here. The bucket list. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, this is scraping the bottom of the bucket. If Child's you... Play 2019. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, Deadpool 2. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's okay. a, it's extremely so... common. Evil Dead 2013. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean. It's not extremely common. You've named five films in the last three decades. I have. What? I, how many? How, how many, many can I name? How, how many, many horror? There's, how there's, many horror movies have been made in the last three decades that have a black character in them? Uh, and you've named like two actual horror. Bryce, movies. this is not. This list isn't easy to go through. I'm just. I'm just. This is on the fly. I. Am I wrong? That it's a trope to point out that black people die first. Well, sure, that's a trope. True. Midsummer. Black guy dies first. Huh. He's the first he's the first one to be sacrificed. The first one to unwillingly be killed. To unwillingly be killed. Right, cuz then cuz in <laughs> Okay. Well, because there are people that just in the storyline of the movie sacrifice themselves. So that I mean, you know, that's one of those things where it's kind of like, mm, could be one. Wasn't or the other. Okay. All right, whatever. I I disagree. I think well, there's no article that talks about the fat kid dying first, but I'm sure they're more plentiful. You're sure that they're mm. more plentiful? Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, I look forward... So I've done some footwork on this. I look forward to seeing your stats. Mm-hmm. Fair and bound stats that will... that will Unfriended Dark Web, a movie we've reviewed. That was, I think, the second movie we reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's the first... First to die. Oh, but he's he was an Asian character. My apologies. <laughs> Wait a minute. Color out of space? What is this? No, he's the... He's that one's the inverted. He's the only one who lives. Yeah. So there you go. All right. I stand behind my statement. And, and you will never back it up. Um, Sarah... Uh, says, hi, I'm a huge fan of horror movies, and I've been trying to find a podcast that not only talks about horror movies, but has a host or hosts 
that I can connect to. You guys are so amazing, and I've enjoyed every episode. I've listened to... Um, my all-time favorite horror movie is a tie between Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but right now I'm, I'm obsessed with Adam Driver, so I love The Dead Don't Die. I'm glad I can support you guys. Man, we're glad, too. Man, I, I do love Adam Driver. We we recently went on a kick where, you know, sometimes where you'll, like, you'll be like, you'll just focus on one, yeah. one actor and just watch a bunch of their stuff. He's got, what was that one that I mentioned to the her? The Report? Yeah, I really like The Report. Yeah, that was really good. And Marriage Story, obviously. Marriage Story is fantastic. Yeah, it's so it's it's so real, and it's that's one of those ones that I I think it both it struck us both where it's like, how is it that I've never seen a divorce movie before? Like a movie that yeah specifically, specifically about, about every the horrors of divorce about how every divorce like pans out. Yeah, where it's like, oh yeah, we don't we don't need to involve lawyers in this. Let's just do this amicably cut to female friend talking to the wife like oh yeah i mean sure but you should talk to my lawyer yeah like just to protect yourself you know right and then all of a sudden it's like okay um it goes down a horrible hellhole um not that not that it always starts out with the women but yeah divorce can be ugly um yeah adam driver's great so that's it for our episode today um thanks for reaching out to us on social media um thanks to our patrons again thanks to sarah and john you sure about that (laughs) john m well, I've mentioned I'm pretty sure that's right. Um for joining the yeah, Sarah patron and, crew. Yeah, Sarah and John. Um please, if you like the episode, share it with a friend. Consider supporting the show by either going to our website and clicking through on the button in the banner to Amazon or um consider becoming a patron. Um so thanks to all our patrons. Thanks to Robert England for letting us interview him and check out jj villard's fairy tales on adult swim yeah at sunday uh, nights at 12 midnight ish is it sundays or saturdays yeah i think you're right i think it it is i think it is sundays so it's may 10th is when it premiered so yeah sunday nights and to close out the episode max uh was inspired by our last episode to do a sound bite so we're gonna let that play us out um, here is Max's take on David's uh, mouth guitar solo. Not that. That's my spooky mic stand. We love you guys. Okay, Bye. Everyone. Bye-bye. You know? Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Welcome to Horror Movie Talk.
rest of the, your day is phone calls? Do you want to go upstairs? I'll go upstairs and do those notes and everything. I'll be cleaning up here. I will. I will. That was awesome. I look at that. I gotta, like cry. That was that was fucking awesome. I can't. I cannot. I cannot believe. <sighs> wow. Robert England gave us a soundbite as Freddy Krueger. As Freddy Krueger. Uh.